everybody and welcome to another episode of this marketing thing. Super pumped for today's episode. This one's a little bit different to last week's episode. We're sort of taking a step back from marketing strategies and tactics. And what we're going to talk about is psychology, human psychology. And I think if you want to become a good marketer, the more you understand human psychology and empathy and how to put yourself in people's shoes, I think you're going to become a better marketer. This one's also a little bit close to home because... I'm going to share some of the stories that I have and how hard it is in some of these psychological factors. Hope you guys enjoy and I'll see you guys on the other side. Have you ever stopped to wonder? How on earth do people like us that were raised to go get a job after school just to realise that being at the mercy of some big company isn't for us? How do we market and build our own businesses so we get to choose our own destinies? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. Join me as I discover, learn, and share the latest marketing secrets and strategies to help grow your online business. My name's Kyle Macker, and welcome to this marketing thing. Thing, 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 Over the last two to three years, I've been sort of deep diving in direct response marketing, and, and direct response marketing has its roots in psychology. Without psychology, direct response marketing doesn't work. And and you know, guys, I I love direct response marketing. I think it's fascinating. I think the psychology behind it is absolutely amazing. How the human brain ticks and works, I find that truly fascinating. Now, the other morning, I got out of the shower and I just felt really good. At the moment, I'm feeling really good. And I think the reason behind it is because of the people in my life, the relationships that I've built. And I think that's a huge, big contributing factor to one's happiness. Now, I'm not saying you should go out and be trying to please people so they like you. That, that's, that's not the same thing. I, I'm sort of talking about just being yourself, but people accepting for you for who you are. And I have an amazing network of friends and they're absolutely fantastic. And I remember when I told them I was doing even the podcast thing, they were like, what? You, do, you like marketing? You do, you're going to, oh, that's super cool. Awesome. Go. That's great. Awesome. We'll have to have a listen. And they come from different walks of life, not necessarily business and marketing at all. And they're so encouraging and supportive of what I do. And closer to home, my fiance, she is just so encouraging and supportive of me. And there was, look, let's take the example of the podcast again. There was a time when I was doing the first few episodes. I was like, I cannot do this. I can't do this. This is, this is way too hard talking into a microphone. And I didn't like it at the start. I must admit, I hated it because I wasn't getting any feedback. And I was just like, I can't do this. And she's like, just, just keep going. And then she encouraged me and was there for me. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. Even though they sucked. But <laughs> look, she, she was there. And that's a big part of success in my opinion because if we haven't got those things those foundations those frameworks set to help us propel us then I think it's a lot harder not saying it's not possible that's not what I'm saying but it just makes it a lot harder an example of that would be for me or I've got a couple of examples when I first finished my pilot's license I then it was right at the end of the financial crisis. So it was a terrible time to go get a, an aviation job. There was no one hiring, 
But a year later in 2009, I managed to get a job on a cattle station. That was tough. That was way out of my comfort zone. And it was really hard for me because it was just nine people on a one million acre property. And it was just, it was way out of what I was used to. And on top of that, it wasn't the sort of people that I usually socialize with. But at the end of the day, it was pushing outside of my comfort zone. And I'm grateful for that experience, even though it was only for about three or four months. And then after that, I went to a place called Kununurra to fly light piston twins. And I went up there, no job. And I just went, I'm just going to try and get a job. And it was quite popular for young commercial pilots to go up to that place because it was there was going to be probably 10 to 15 jobs going between the two companies that were the biggest at that stage. And I remember there were so many pilots kicking around because it was just after the GFC. And I remember I was lucky enough to get a job and it was it was a fantastic experience. The first year I was there, it was a real it was I look back on it as such fond memories, but at the same time it was quite hard. And I remember my living situation at the time. I was just it was so bad. I remember my grandfather drove up with me and he said geez, mate, don't tell your old man you're living here. Because the only place I could find was this caravan. And it was old. It was rotting. There was no driving it anywhere. Like it was a stationary caravan. And this caravan park was renting it out to people like myself. And you had to be careful where you stood on the floor. Like you'd go through it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I remember near the aircon, I could push my finger through the wall to the metal because it was all rotten. And it was just a shocker. It was really bad and it was hard. But look, look back now and it definitely helped me become the person I was. It was character building. But that wasn't the hardest experience that I had on my journey thus far. The, probably the hardest year of my life come a couple of years later. And, and I moved to Darwin for another aviation job. And look, I, my job, it was... Looking back now, I I look at it with fond memories, but at the time, it was tough. It was really tough. I didn't really like the company that I was working for, and it wasn't so much the flying. It was just that it was relentless. There was so much of it, and flying is a very mentally involving task, and it would, I would just remember being so tired all the time. I would get back from a flight, and then it would be fly again out to this, because you, you had, I had some duty hours left and go out here. And it was just, it was relentless. It was every day. I mean, I still got days off, but it was just, it felt relentless. But the, the problem was, is that amplified that was that I'd go home and I was in this relationship that was just toxic. It was terrible. It was just, it was really holding me back from achieving the things that I wanted to achieve. I wanted, I, I had this dream. I, I wanted more out of life and I remember having this it's almost like a light bulb inside your head and it was just dimming because I felt like I wasn't happy in my job I wasn't happy in my relationship and it was just I was like what is the point of all this I'm so unhappy I don't really enjoy doing anything and I couldn't get past some of these things I just couldn't get past my relationship for starters it was just it was really bad and I felt stuck. And in the end, it was just that 
we had to go our separate ways. It just was not going to work. And some people just aren't meant to be together. And look, that's okay. And I'm so grateful that that happened because now I'm in a relationship and I have people around me who support me, encourage me and love me. And it is just so much better. (laughs) It's just so much better. And I feel like I can achieve anything. I'm encouraged to go out and push on different comfort zones because of the people around me. I know you shouldn't do these things for other people. And I, I don't. I don't want to try and impress anybody or anything like that. But I find if you haven't got that support or that encouragement, it's really hard to get to that next level in your life. I'm not saying it's not possible because it is, but for me, I find it a lot easier when you've got those people behind you. So a little while ago, I was studying some of this marketing stuff and I I bumped across this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or it's also called Maslow's pyramid of needs. It's basically the theory of human motivation. Now, in my personal opinion, I don't think it's complete. I really don't. But it does explain some of the things that I was feeling in my life and maybe some of the things that you feel in your life at the present moment or in the past. So the guy that came up with this pyramid or triangle, if you like, was Abraham Maslow. And he wrote it in a paper in 1943. Now, basically how it works is that needs lower in the hierarchy need to be met before moving to the next level. So you start at the bottom, then move up and up and up. The problem is it's not exactly that rigid and it shouldn't be thought of as that rigid. But For ease of explanation, let's talk about in those circumstances. So at the bottom of the hierarchy, you have physiological needs. So that's air, water, food, clothing, reproduction. Next level, safety needs. That's personal security, employment, health, property, social stability. So those bottom two levels are basic needs. And then the next level up is love and belonging is his needs. So that's friendship, trust, intimate relationships, sense of connection. The next level above that is esteem needs. So that's respect, status, recognition, freedom. Those next two levels or layers make up psychological needs. Now, the top of the pyramid is called self-actualization, and that's self-fulfillment needs. So that's the the desire to be the most one can be and, and becoming who you really are as a person, living to one's full potential. Now, an example of self-actualization could be, and it's usually a focused thing, so it could be very specific, like, You want to be an amazing parent for your children. You you spend a lot of energy doing that and and focusing on that. It could be in the corporate world. It could be academic studies. It could be in anything, really. Now, if you'd like to see a visual representation of this pyramid, what I'll do is I'll, in the show notes, I'll put a link to my Facebook group where you can join and you can see a, a, a visual representation of the pyramid. 
So what happens with this pyramid is a lot of people never reach self-actualization, the pinnacle of the pyramid or the self-fulfillment needs, if you like. And what people will do is they will go up and down or bob around in the bottom four levels. Now me, for example, if we go back and look at some of my earlier stories, now when I was first in Kununurra, I had some real worries about I didn't have a job and I was stuck in this caravan that was like living in a shanty. So I was stuck in the basic needs. I was at the bottom levels. I had some real physiological needs and some safety needs. Now the next move that I did and I was living in Darwin, I had big problems with my intimate relationship. So I had some psychological needs in love and belongingness that weren't allowing me to get to the higher levels of esteem needs and self-actualization. It was, it was probably too hard to get there. Now, I'm not saying this is not possible. Now, you've got to remember, this is not a rigid pyramid. And I wouldn't even say it's complete. But it does explain my feeling that of being stuck and not being able to get to that next level in my life. Now, while I don't think it's a complete pyramid or makes up our complete needs or motivations, and the reason I say that is because you only have to take a look at third world countries and see that they sometimes don't satisfy food, shelter, clothing, or personal security. They don't have any employment, health, or property, but they're still able to fall in love and and, and be in, in loving relationships. So that's where I think the diagrammatic representation of a pyramid doesn't really work but it is helpful sort of seeing it in a diagram and it is a useful tool for assessing the direction of our lives so an example of this and that might explain the difference in diagrams a little bit in that our pyramid might be a little bit out of whack So an example of this might be that you have a fat base on your pyramid you might be overindulging on food and drink buying too many clothes, or you place too much much emphasis on your employment, your properties and, and stocks and shares and physical things that you own, leaving the psychological needs and the self fulfillment needs quite small. But then that lends itself to that if that's the case, then your pyramid could possibly be upside down. You could be focusing a lot of energy on a task or a thing, fulfilling like a self actualization task, and not placing much emphasis on your basic or psychological needs. So I guess then that would suggest that a pyramid would be the right shape and the right mixture of needs. There you go. So maybe I'm my thinking that it's not complete. Maybe it can be explained in a different way when it becomes out of shape. I don't know. I've just always felt like there's more to it, like it's missing something, like... You can't just bundle humans up into a pyramid. But anyway, I'll keep moving on. Now, the other thing that I find interesting about Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that, and even Maslow himself noticed this back in the 1940s, is that companies back in the mid-1900s really sort of focused on satisfying those basic needs, so those safety needs and physiological needs. Now, what you're seeing as we move further on is companies start to focus on psychological needs and self-fulfillment. Now, albeit those layers aren't as big on the triangle, 
But we are starting to see them and we're starting to see that with life coaches, relationship coaches, how to be a better parent books, all these sort of things are starting to work their way up the levels of the triangle, which is quite interesting. Then my question is to you, what needs does your business or your products and services fulfill? And then you could take it one step further. And remember last week and the week before, we were talking about mass desires and how to focus them onto your products and services. Where does your mass desire that you're focusing on your products and services fit into the Maslow hierarchy of needs? Is it an esteem need where women want to look attractive? That mass desire would probably live in there. And it could just help in giving you an all-round sort of knowledge of where this fits psychologically into your prospects. Anyway, guys, I'm going to leave it there. If you'd like to see the Maslow Hierarchy of Needs Pyramid, I'll leave a link to my Facebook group where you can go and see it. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, and I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Until next time, see you later.